More and more people are moving to cities, and that's going to affect almost every industry. We are very cautious and very aware to make a conscious effort to work with the ecosystem. What can the average person do to take action now? Not one person can change the world, but if we all do a little something different, it might help. Being open to embracing innovation. Know that you can make a difference. A absolutely. There's no excuse not to even do a little bit. Let's go check it out. Going Green is brought to you by Koskin Corva Vodka, a huge friend of ours. We love what they're doing. Koskin Corva Vodka is a sustainable vodka made honestly. It's vegan and gluten-free. The vodka is named after the village in Finland, Koskin Corva, where real farmers harvest the world's northernmost barley and unfiltered spring waters to make a vodka of true integrity. Here's my favorite part. Not only do I love drinking, responsibly of course, the Koskin Corva plant has a 99.9% .9 recycling rate. And don't worry, back in the village, they're still working on that 0.01% and was the first spirit to win the Green Company of the Year Award. Now our goal is to bring Koskin Corva from the Scandinavian European world out to the American land where we all love to have a good drink here and there. So check out Koskin Corva Vodka, support them. We love a good sustainable company. So give them a little bit of love. Thank you. And let's get back to the show. Going Green is brought to you by Dylan Welch Media, a full service digital media and marketing company. Our clients hire us to help them with a plethora of digital media and marketing services. We offer video production, podcast production, social media management, website development, PR services. Um, and what we do is we package it all into one monthly package so that we essentially handle all of your digital media and marketing components to help you build your business, get more clients, get your brand out there, get in front of potential investors. So if you're interested in working with us, reach out to us. Dylan at DylanWelch.com is the best way to get connected. Again, that's Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, at D-Y-L-A-N-W-E-L-C-H.com. Send us an email and we'll get things started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Going Green. We've got an awesome guest today joining us from one of my favorite cities in Europe, Amsterdam. We've got Hugo Pereira joining us from EV Box. Hugo, thank you for being here today. Thanks, Dylan, for the invite, and it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of EV Box and what you guys are doing. Um, so, can you kind of catch up those in our audience who aren't familiar with what EV Box is and what you guys do? Sure. So EV Box is one of the leading global providers of electric vehicle charging solutions. So that's from the design manufacturing of electric vehicle charging stations to the development of the software to help run those uh, charging networks as well as the services that we offer with our partners uh, across Europe, North America, uh, to be able to serve our customers to provide charging infrastructure. So it's a complete end-to-end -end solution that we offer as a company. And, and for the you know for the listeners, if they have an electric car, probably they are thinking about oh yes, I need a charging station at home. And traditionally, if you are in Europe, you'll work or buy from one of our uh, customers. So we don't sell directly to the consumer. We work with a, a portfolio of companies, being them resellers, digital retailers, utility companies, automotive that help us. Um, serve uh, the different uh, landscape of the industry um, across different segments and industries. Awesome. So obviously I'm based in America, you're mm -hmm. based in Europe. Um, in the past probably 10 or so years, EVs, electric vehicles have really kind of taken off and are becoming more mainstream. And with that, 
the infrastructure has to be built around that too. So there's kind of like that, you know, the infrastructure is catching up with the demand for the cars. What is the overall kind of uh, electric vehicle industry like in Europe? Not only right now, but what has it been like for the past 10, 15 years? Yeah, so I, uh, interesting enough, I would say that Europe is at the moment one of the fastest, if not the fastest growing market in terms of the investment that is being done on, on the whole green charging infrastructure. Uh, recently, even with the European Commission, there was an incredible investment on the overall infrastructure of Europe, uh, where, where charging infrastructure is one of the key elements. Um, at the moment, that happened actually after COVID as, as the infrastructure recovery fund and a lot of the member states of Europe are in, in an essence setting up goals to be able to have a transition to electric mobility as one of the most important factors to achieve in either carbon neutrality or a zero emission world. So I think Europe in that context, what is interesting is that whereby there are all these targets and goals, every country has slightly different ways of going to market and has slightly different ways on policies, which makes it a rather more complex market than the US. It's whether the US also has some particularities with California and other states being different uh, policies in order to advance the industry. Europe is, you know, in a sense, in a sense, similarly in that aspect where every country might have a different approach in the same way that every state in the US might have a different approach. The complexity of Europe is that you have different uh, uh, tax regulations, you have uh, uh, different elements of language, whereby in the US is, is you know, I'll say rather simple, but still a complex market to be in. Um, but it's, it's, it's fast growing, yeah? So just last year alone, uh, the European market grew uh, 137%, I believe, in terms of electric vehicle sales. And this was during a pandemic, which shows the interests on, on transitioning to electric mobility. Uh, and one of the best examples is, for example, in Amsterdam, which you visited. I don't, I don't own a car. You know, I use the ride share of the city, which means there's three or four applications I can use uh, to rent a car at any moment in time. Uh, I pay per minute. And they are all electric and there's like over 2,500 charging points across town. So I never feel the sense of what they call range anxiety or do I have a car to go to work? So I can already perceive what could be some of the behaviors of the future just by living in a city like Amsterdam. And I think that's some of the examples and inspiration that Europe hopes to deliver to the rest of the world. That's amazing. And I mean, I've lived in, uh, I lived in Europe for about two and a half, three years. And there's no question that when it comes to certain levels of, uh, you know, transportation and just getting around, you guys are way advanced. Like, it's just a fact. Uh, I mean, there's reasons for that. America is a huge place. But, you know, even Amsterdam, like just ri people ride bikes way more than, you know, people typically do in, uh, in America, which I think is really cool. Um, so that's awesome to hear. I mean, like I honestly tried to go as long as I possibly could without having a car. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I did for a while until my girlfriend was like, all right, I'm sick of driving everywhere. So, uh, you got to get a car now. And I was like, damn it. I did it as long as I could. Um, so that's really cool that you're able to do that. And again, like I would love to, but just certain things don't allow that for lifestyle. Um, but what about your background? Like how did you originally get interested in sustainability, renewable energy and clean technology? Yeah, so so interesting enough, I, if you had asked me that question 10 years ago when the industry was was growing, uh, that was not really something that was on my radar. I, I decided from a very early stage that I wanted to work with uh, 
technology companies which I believe could serve, um, you know, the well-being of, of humankind. That was basically my, my foundation, yeah. So I normally say I, I like to see myself as a humanist technologist. So I'm driven by a sense of progress and, and especially passionate about any technology that I find is a vehicle for progress. So prior to joining EV Box and electric mobility and, and mostly precisely sustainable transport, um, I was in HR tech, I was in business intelligence, I was also in, in leadership development organizations. And that kind of trajectory is not necessarily linear, yes? So I was not necessarily looking for a path of career in a specific industry. I was more looking for growing organizations that have a positive contribution to certain elements of society. So it doesn't have to be, I know that the excitement today is very much into, can I be part of a company that touches 1 billion people? Um, but there's a lot of interesting and inspiring stories on actually finding organizations that can just make a positive impact to a small community. And that's still very relevant. So in that search for uh, that kind of story that I wanted to be part of, and that's how I connected with the, with the, the founder and the leadership of EVBox at the time, the CEO, the, the chairman. And we connected on the entrepreneurial community of Belgium where I was living. And they said, well, we just had the big raising uh, funding round. We are building a team to move outside of the Netherlands. Can you help us with the whole marketing launch, go-to-market strategy? And, and, well, I was already looking for living abroad again. I was living in Belgium. I wanted to move elsewhere. I wanted to try something new. To be fairly honest, I was also a bit tired of, of being in a software industry. I know it sounds strange because everything is software nowadays, but I wanted to see something visible. I was really eager to sell something I could see, touch, and, 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 and perceive the, the value in front of my eyes, which seems a bit strange, but I was looking to work on some kind of Internet of Things device uh, development with a very strong power on the software, or at least the future of it. And yeah, and that's, that's how I, I got to connect. I moved to, uh, to actually Almir, which is a small town outside of Amsterdam. We were 10 people. It really did feel like a bit of the garage kind of experience. Uh, and then we grew to 30, 40, 100, 200. We, we got acquired by NG, the utility company. And, uh, and we keep growing up until 700 people today and, and looking for the next phase of, of, of the organization. But uh, ultimately it comes down to still believing we can make a difference uh, with what we offer and what we inspire others to be. That's amazing. And it sounds like you found that perfect career job. Like you wanted to work in tech, you wanted to work with the physical product, you wanted to work on something that helps the community. And there you go, you kind of nailed it with EV box. And what's a- <laughs> yeah, and I and I have to be honest, at the beginning, you know, it's not like I, I can say that, well, I saw charging stations and that's the most sexy product you can work for. But you, see, you can see the story behind and you can see what does it enable. And, and sometimes that's probably some of the most important questions that one can do in a career is that what do these enable me to gain, both professionally and personally, but also what we enable others to do, uh, others to live by. And, and I found that what we enable um, in terms of a lifestyle of a driver of the next stage of community, of renewable energy, because I truly believe that the transition to electric cars is also not the final answer. It's, again, another means to a better end. And I hope that with the transition, people are going to question about, well, the, the source of my energy is green. And if not, what can I do about that? They start to question their own sustainable lifestyle. For example, I was a heavy meat cons uh, you know, uh, consumption person. Coming from Portugal, meat consumption is, is very high on the list. And before EV walks, I did not question my uh, 
my nutrition. I did not question my sustainable lifestyle. I did not question the, the, the flights I take. And by joining the company, I also start looking at, okay, if I'm really in a sustainability aspect, what does it mean in terms of walking the talk? Do I make some changes or not? And does it mean that I go 360, uh, not 360, 180, and I become myself uh, vegan and I don't take flights. I don't have to go to the other extreme, but I could definitely have a more balanced lifestyle, which I had five years ago. And that's also because of joining such a company. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. And that's why we started green.org was because not everyone can make you know drastic, huge changes in their lives. But if you educate yourself a little bit and um, you know kind of identify mm-hmm. the problems, you can you can all make little changes here and there. I mean, it's it's a fact. Not everyone can afford an electric vehicle. Not everyone can you know live off the grid. It's just the world we live in. But those little changes mm-hmm. that everyone can make to their lives, and also um, just as consumers, knowing you know when you buy certain products or when you use certain things where that money goes to, you know, these corporations and what they're doing with it really makes a huge difference. And like, if we all do that, I mean, Mm -hmm. ideally in an ideal world, if everybody in the world does that, it would make a pretty big impact. So you're definitely right. What's, um, what's kind of the day-to-day life like right now for you as the chief growth officer at EV box? Cause you guys are growing quickly. It sounds like. Yeah, well, the daily life, it's, uh, well, it's rather interesting. I, I do put a lot of efforts actually on my morning routine. So uh, normally the first hour of the day, I make an effort not to be about work. It's actually about being, you know, mindful, having a shower, having a breakfast, taking time, preparing the day. Most of the day, because what it encompasses is a bit working with a commercial organization, marketing policy. So the days can be quite different. So uh, for example, uh, next week, you know, it could be about looking at the whole competition landscape for a potential new product we are launching and it's just looking, okay, how do we stack, you know, with the competition? What are the trends of the industry? What can we do next? And that can be a meeting, but it can be something as simple afterwards as looking at our analytics for the websites and just analyzing, okay, there's a trend of people asking for more quotations uh, for fast charging locations. Oh, that's interesting. Why there is a demand more for fast charging? What can we do about that? And the other thing can be just analyzing uh, some of the data and seeing, okay, what is it that you're telling us? So there's a lot of like research and analysis. There's a lot of looking at propositions to the market and what it entails. Uh, are, is the, the product market fit that we deliver today still the one that we want to deliver tomorrow? It can be also about supporting specific programs uh, on change management in the organization. So the days are actually quite... Uh, there's not a routine to it. So it comes very much to, uh, you know, how is our brand presence from a marketing point of view and, and how we position ourselves is about what kind of laws are coming to the market because, you know, there's more and more influence from the regulatory landscape being federal or state level in the US or European Commission in Europe. You know, they might make a law tomorrow that might positively affect or negatively affect the industry and we have to be working with policymakers to advance the industry in a positive way. And ultimately, it can be strategic choices that we are making today that might impact us five years on the line and, you know, making sure that we make those choices in a data-driven way. So those are some of the elements of a day-to-day basis. Um, being an European company in Amsterdam is actually good to see that there is a strong focus on a good lifestyle, healthy lifestyle. So it's not a 20, 24-7 kind of work. It's, it's, it's heavy working, it's intense, it's passionate, and but it's also allows to uh, to have some fun on the side with the people that you meet you know, and that's ultimately what it's about 
yeah, that is what it's about is uh, just, you know, working hard on something you're passionate about, but also enjoying life. And, you know, that, that balance is important. And, and it's cool because mm -hmm. I like how you kind of mentioned, like when you first started, it was a smaller team. It had kind of that startup feel, but now you're growing. And I mean, EV box is a huge company. Like it's not, you know, by obviously by no means like a startup. So you've mm -hmm. got kind of that fast paced. You never know what quite could happen. You know, you know, everything is a little bit different, but at the same time, the stability of a bigger, you know, organization is kind of that sweet spot. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, with every startup going into a scale up and, and learning how to become a, an enterprise and scalable and professional, you know, there are growing pains, you know, it is, I like to say this is not, it's exciting, it's rewarding, um, it's committed and that part really keeps exciting me. There's a sense of progress. And as long as there is a sense of progress, how hard it is or not, there is a sense of growth and there is a sense of opportunity to do better. And ultimately, you want to have the feeling that how hard it can become or not, that what you do today can make the company better tomorrow. And it's like small increments that can make better and better and better. And hopefully give that trust to the customers and to the people that strive for the company on a daily basis. Uh, so it's not all like it's called rainbows and and and, and sunshine. You know, it, there's there's tough days. Um, you know, COVID and the pandemic also brought a lot of attention to the importance of mental health, physical health. Um, you know, that is is finding we are in a journey. It is not easy. You know, everyone. You know, all the startups and scale-ups around the world. No one can say that they are in a situation where everything is going. Fantastic. Yeah, it's tough to work all from home. Uh, we are now going back to the office. We're trying to figure out what is the culture again uh, as any organization. Um, I think what's important to commit is that ultimately it all comes back to the purpose and the vision and the why. And if we are very connected to the sense of purpose, we'll be able to have committed and passionate people and we'll be able to find the answers in a collective way. Exactly. I mean, having that purpose and that mission is what drives that long-term goal. And then what you mentioned every day, just little incremental steps to get to that big long-term goal. And it's crazy how there's that saying, like when you look at things day to day, it doesn't look like things have changed much, but then when you look at 10 years, everything is different. And I think that's, that's really important. I actually just filled out this interview um, today and it was like, what's one thing that you would tell your younger self. And it's like, just have those long-term goals and missions and then just every day chip away at it and, and it pays off. Um, yeah. That's cool. Where, uh, so one thing that you mentioned earlier was, you know, electric vehicles are really kind of like, they're the next thing, but it's not the end process. Where do you kind of see the EV industry as a whole and really just the overall renewable energy sustainability industry mm -hmm. as a whole going in the next couple of years? Yes, yeah, so I do like to always to have a vision really down the line. So so somehow I know that it might take time to get there, but I, I truly believe that there is an element of autonomous and self-driving that is going to take over. It might take 10, 20, 30 years, but it's, it just makes sense. And, it would, you know, it's almost like I'm a big sci-fi fan. And I, somehow it feels that the sci-fi movies become the dream of what you want to achieve. And if you see all the latest sci-fi movies, everything is self-driven, el electric or at least energy efficient, um, and I actually do, do like to experience that world. I, I see the benefits of it. I see the, the ability to be more comfortable on the road. Just, just this weekend, you know, I drove, I drove just one hour in the Netherlands. It's, it's, it's just a small, it's a small country, especially compared to in the U.S. where you might drive 100 miles, might take you four hours or five years. You know, you know, 50 kilometers should not take more than an hour at mm -hmm. best. 
but it took two hours to do 40 kilometers because of the highway there was problems and i know that majority of that problem it's i was just looking i was in congestion on the highway and i was thinking we are in a small country and we are in the highway not because there was an accident but because there's just too many cars on the roads and there is a, a sense of pollution that is happening now because it's not you know it's a country with a lot of electric cars but there's also a lot of combustion engine cars and it's because you know as a humans we had a tendency to i could see myself i was accelerating and then braking accelerating and braking that creates a cause effect that just creates a long tail of delay so just by nature i think if everything was autonomous and with the trust of self-driving this will not exist pure and simple you'll just know that it will take an hour to get to destination and probably will take that one hour in a smooth way and so that's why i see that benefit of self-driving and from a renewable energy point of view i believe that you're going to start coming to a phase and if you see the next generations that are coming uh, if i look at, at my my younger brothers if i also look at you know the, the children might uh, that hope to have uh, in the near future uh, and, I'm, and my younger cousins i see that the demand for having a positive impact and do something better for societies is, is is much higher yeah it's more important to have a positive contribution than to have a higher job or a title and that means that uh, and that means that that influence hopefully transform also on the energy that we source yeah so the, there'll be higher demand to governments to say hey we need to have green energy we're going to question the ways of production we're going to try to have a different way of seeing circular economy so I, I see the industry in the same way. I see that companies like ours, we, we have to tap into circular economy, into, into finding better ways to, to continue our eco-design products, to do a better uh, recyclability. We see the same with battery electric cars. We know that we have to do better answers in terms of how the batteries are recycled. So I think all of it together, I just see the industry as a force to move, you know, as all of us to become uh, green. And I hope that, you know, that's just a personal wish of mine. I just hope that we will start evaluating organizations in the future uh, and for their carbon neutrality and their sustainability goals, the same way that we measure for profits and revenues and other elements of it. And I think that might generate enough momentum to do better things for our own planet, which is the only one we have at the moment. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I like to really look at things, you know, in the future, look at the past, then it helps keep things in perspective and, I agree. I'm pretty sure pretty soon, not pretty soon, but someday it'll be an app. It's an electric vehicle. You order it, it picks you up, it self-drives you. And, you know, that'll change so many different things, like in terms of, you know, car ownership, uh, the gas and oil industry. And I'm excited to get there. I think it's only, it's inevitable that we'll get there. But also looking backwards, you know, when you think about uh, the baby boomer generation, a lot mm -hmm. of people, um, you know, worked 30 years in the same job and you know they grew and that's just not really how it is these days you know people are more willing to you know go from one job to the next um because people value you know that work-life balance they care i think you know at least from my perspective people care a lot about what they're doing they want to be passionate about their job or i mean what's really the point of working if you're unhappy right um so people definitely are putting a lot more value into that. And really, I think right now, as we're kind of coming out of COVID and everything, um, we'll see a lot of changes, both in terms of where people are spending their money, where people are you know, putting their time and effort into their jobs and their careers, and just kind of putting more value on appreciating life. And like you said, you know, appreciating 
the resources we have, appreciating the planet we're on. So as horrible as COVID was, um, hopefully some good things will come out of that and it'll definitely speed up certain industries. And I think the renewable energy, clean tech industry is definitely one of those that'll see some major changes coming within the next couple months and years. Um, mm -hmm. So first off, Hugo, I want to thank you for taking some time out of day to join us. If people want to just, you know, stay up to date with EV box and kind of what's happening, um, what's the best thing for them to do? Visit your website, check out your social media, anything that we could do to stay involved? Um, yeah, so just, yeah, traditionally visit the website, get informed, follow us on social media. There's also, if you are interested in the industry, we also have um, what we call a, a concept called revolution. So we have a conference uh, this year, but we also have a podcast that you know, people can also listen to. So uh, as a way to be more into specifically electric mobility uh, landscape, and that will be a good starting point. You know, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's just getting started, getting knowledgeable, and that's the first step to uh, to get closer to the to the next steps. Exactly. Get educated, people. If you are listening to this podcast or watching this, probably means that's what you're doing. So, uh, Hugo, thank you very much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, everyone. And thank you to everyone who supports the show, who tunes in, who listens, who watches, who shares our content. Can't appreciate it enough. It really goes a long way. Um, our goal is to just bring leaders, influencers, scientists, CEOs, people who are making a difference in the clean tech, sustainable space. Um, so yeah, seriously, tune in every week, educate yourself. And that's really, really all we can do at this point. So thank you again. And we'll see you on the next episode of green.org.